Hi, this is Barack Lurie, and this is the Barack Lurie Podcast. With me is my friend and producer, Ari David. Always a pleasure. Uh, again, a shout-out to our phone number, 310-478-7788, 310-478-7788, uh, to uh, talk to us about anything that you hear on this podcast that you disagree with, or uh, more uh, significantly sometimes, to assist with any of your legal needs. We are a litigation uh, firm, predominantly focusing on real estate and business issues uh, in the litigation world. So if we can help you, let us know. Uh, but we have uh, a lot to discuss, but there are tremendous issues going on in the world. And, you know, the one that we talked about recently, Ari, is the ISIS, of course, situation, which I have a feeling will be the subject of many podcasts in our future. Um, and they're, they're tied to some extent with the whole Gaza-Hamas situation. And what do I mean by that? Uh, I, you know, the, the way that we deal with Hamas uh, also reflects in many ways the way we will be dealing with, with ISIS. Now, point number one I want to talk about. Um, I, I want to talk about, I guess, three things. And we'll talk them in, in order. Why it is that we hear the administration referring to ISIS as ISIL all the time, I-S-I-L. It's clear that there has been an instruction among the administration to refer to it as ISIL. We'll get to that. Uh, the second thing is um, John Kerry's recent remarks regarding uh, the Israeli airstrikes upon Hamas and Gaza and how uh, it's outrageous. I think he used that word, um, why that is happening. Third, and to some extent a, uh, an unrelated topic, but one that we touched upon in our recent podcast, is why, why are they fighting? Why is ISIS fighting? What is their motivation, so to speak? Um, what, what's going on there? And uh, to study that from a psychological perspective and why we seem not to be able to fight. And again, from the same psychological perspective. And the hint to the answer there is that the answer is the same for both. Okay. Uh, let's first go to the whole uh, kind of cute argument, cute, cute uh, discussion. Why, why does the administration refer to uh, ISIS as ISIL, I-S-I-L. The acronym ISIL is um, the Islamic State in Iraq and the Levant, L-E-V-A-N-T. Levant is an Arabic term for a certain region that involves Syria and Iraq and the greater part of it. ISIS, uh, as we refer to it, is... Iraq, sorry, the Islamic State in Iraq and Syria. Why is it that the administration is insisting, or it appears to be insisting, that to refer to it ISIL? What's your imp impression, Ari? Do you have an idea? Me? Yeah. Never. Me, never. <laughs> an opinion? Well, you? Well, for me, it's uh, there's two reasons. First of all, this is the same as uh, using uh, a perfect Arabic accent when you refer to Pakistan or. Turkmenistan or Taliban, yeah. Al Qaeda. You know how Obama <laughs> does all that. Saying the Levant like, makes him think he's worldly. That's like the first. Burrito. Reason. The second reason is because nothing is done by accident with uh, with Democrats. This is a way of El Salvador. El Salvador. <laughs> Nicaragua. Linda Alvarez. Remember her? Yes, I remember uh, very well. But this is a way of blaming Bush for the problem because Syria is Obama's fault. 
Right. He did not invade. He didn't intervene in time during the Civil War to which any good guys could be established, or boots could be on the ground, or the uh, chemical weapons could have been averted from using. So by calling it ISIS, Iraq and Syria, it makes it sound like he's at fault for this. Right. By saying Iraq and the Levant blames George Bush for this because it says Iraq, his fault, not mine. I got out of yeah. there. And the Levant, no one knows what the hell that is. Right. I think I think that's a very good point. Um, I do. My personal opinion is that it's something like that, but also that Levant is is a uh, is a hats off to the Arabic interpretation of that region. It respects it. The Levant is it, it respects the pre World War One borders that were established. Uh, pre colonialism. Pre colonialism. Yeah. It also includes Israel, by the way. Oh yeah, I know, and that's why I think now all I'm saying is it's very clear from all the. Uh, spokespeople for the administration, whether it's uh, uh, from even from the Pentagon and from the State Department, uh, certainly from John Kerry and everyone else, all the way down the line, they refer to ISIL. Yes. Okay, where everyone else has been referring to it as ISIS, ISIS, even CNN. So uh, it begs the question: Why did they send out this memo to the? I mean, clearly they, they sent out the word. You will refer to it as ISIL. Yeah, it's not. It's not accidental. Yes, this is not accidental. There you go. So, okay, just throwing it out there, wondering why. Uh, maybe other people have discussed this, uh, but I think we'll soon see some more discussion about this. Yeah, and it's not any one reason. I think it's a blend of the things that I illustrated. That, that, that you and I illustrated, right? All right. Moving on to the next topic, uh, John Kerry uh, speaks about uh, Israel. Strikes. I wrote it down for you in case. You- is there any, yeah. And I, I, yeah. Now, by the way, they don't—they don't, they don't uh, seem to care about the pronunciation of, of anything in Hebrew. They don't say Yerushalayim. That would be nice, right? <laughs> uh, or uh, Netanyahu, Benjamin Netanyahu. That would be nice. But uh, no, of course, that—that that they say, you know, Benjamin Netanyahu and uh, Jerusalem. Okay, which is fine. I don't care about that. I don't need that pronunciation. It's Jerusalem in English. Fine. But it's definitely a one-sided street. Um, and then that's what, you know, by the way, this whole burrito thing that we were talking about <laughs> and, and Nicaragua, you know, there was a Saturday, the reason why I bring it up is because there was a f- enormously funny Saturday Night Live skit, I don't know, 15, 20 years ago with uh, Jimmy Smith. Do you remember him from L.A. Law? And I guess it was while he was still in L.A. Law and he was the guest uh, for Saturday Night Live. And he, he pretends to be a reporter um, you know, going downtown, talk about a human interest story in the Latin, you know, some Hispanic area of, of town. And he goes, oh, today, you know, uh, we're going down to Jose's uh, restaurant where he's going to come out uh, with some great new burritos and tacos and the opening stand. Come on down and, and check it out. It's really a home, good homemade cooking. And then uh, everyone comes up to him and says, uh, so, Jimmy, you like burritos? <laughs> and, you know, it's, and these these are you know classic white guys. They, they have no you know Hispanic, but they want to show how sensitive they are, right? So, you know, it's funny. I was I wanted to take my son to an interesting place. What do you think of Nicaragua? <laughs> you know, and they, they overdo the accent. It was so funny, and he goes, you could just say Nicaragua. You know, it's it's cool. Uh, you know, burrito and, and taco, and the whole thing was just hysterical. Anyway, it's this this overemphasis on trying to show that you 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 really appreciate the perfect the perfect pronunciation. Anyway, let's go back to John Kerry. 
<laughs> John Kerry. Um, you, you did that perfectly because I was waiting for you to pronounce a perfectly English <laughs> that's exactly. word with something yeah. like that. You did. And I meant that with a Russian accent, by the way, John Kerry. Uh, but anyway, that's, that's kind of cute. John Kerry says this really bizarre statement about Israel. Uh, and that it's outrageous that Israel does this. Now, this is on the heels of John Kerry's numerous missteps when it comes to Israel. Remember how, how often he'd, he'd said these crazy things about Israel and, um, and, and how his contempt for Israel has shown in the past uh, three or four months, right? He's, he's been caught saying things off mic and on mic that you just kind of scratch your head and say, how could a secretary of state say this about Israel, America's greatest ally? And, and, and then he says this thing. Clearly he knows. And, and this, is, this is a hot, hot mic that he knows it's hot. I mean, it's, it's on. And he says this is outrageous. He clearly knows that this is going to be picked up. He clearly knows that this is going to disturb a lot of people when he speaks about Israeli airstrikes and uses the word outrageous. Um, so what, what's going on here, John Kerry? What, what's the deal? Is, is Obama telling you this, uh, to be aggressive toward Israel? Is this your own personal opinion? What is going on, sir? I, I, I hesitate to say that I, I think we are... We see that John Kerry himself has a definite opinion about Israel, and it's not a pleasant one, and that he feels that Israel's steps and in efforts to wipe out Hamas is definitely a counterproductive step, and that it's hurtful to the interests of peace all over the world. And likewise, you know, they should get in line. Israel should get in line. Because, you know... John Kerry, I don't know what his, his approach is. is. Is his approach as hateful toward Western civilization as uh, Obama's uh, approach to it? And yeah, I said that, folks. Uh, I, I believe that Obama's steps uh, and approach to Western civilization has been at best not hateful, maybe, but somewhat contemptuous. Uh, he feels that Western civilization has been more or less a negative force in history. Uh, you know, it had some goodies, no doubt. Uh, no doubt he likes his cell phone and the iPad and everything else. But uh, barring that, I think he thinks that Western civilization is otherwise a negative force. And it needs a little, uh, a little scaling down, if you will. And I think that maybe John Kerry believes that too. So, hence, that's the only thing that explains his comment regarding Israel acting in an outrageous way. How about that, sir? Yeah, well, why would Obama hire anyone in the administration who doesn't do, believe exactly what Obama does. Yep. People say about Lois Lerner, well, where's the smoking gun of contact with the White House for the IRS scandal, as an example? And the answer is obvious. Why did there need to be any? Why was she hired? <laughs> right. She was hired to do that. Right. It, it, he hires people who does obviously what he wants to do without needing to micromanage them. Right, or, or keeps them on. I, 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 is it true? I, I just, I actually don't know this, and I, I wish I maybe I should investigate this before we continue on. But uh, was Lois Lerner t taken on by the Bush administration or by the Obama administration? She was a longtime Federal Elections Commi Commission staffer. Right. At various levels, moving up the chain her whole career. But when Obama came into office, she was moved from Federal Election Commission to IRS. Oh, I see. So right. it was, if you will, a promotion, meaning right. she probably goes back to either Clinton or Carter. Right. But 
uh, if you look at Obama, Carter, Clinton, their whole administrations are riddled with these kind of people, many of whom right. come back when the next Democrat is elected. Oh, I see. All right. So, so she was uh, uh, tallied up the chain. Okay, I, I understand now. So it, she was never in her position while the Bush administration was in charge. Not in the IRS. Okay. Yeah. All right, that's what I figured. Anyway, um, we can talk about the IRS situation because it's just it's getting more and more yeah, bizarre. That's off subject. That's off subject. The point sub is, for your question about why does Kerry do what he does, doesn't Obama know? Of course he knows. That's why I heard oh, yeah. and, Same with Hillary. The, <laughs> and that's the prerogative of the president, and I get that. And likewise with the Supreme Court nominees. He's not going to hire a John Roberts or a Sam Alito, right? Actually, He's, he would hire a John Roberts, oh, as, right, we, right. as we saw. But he won't hire a... Uh, uh, a Scalia or a, uh, a, a Boric or Thomas, anything else. Clarence yeah. Thomas or, yeah. you know, Rehnquist. Yeah, so so that's what he has. And, and he's, I guess he's got a really true, true loyal fan in John Kerry. John Kerry is saying yet again another anti-Israel statement and taking the perspective of Hamas and uh, the bad guys uh, instead of taking the perspective that he should, which is supporting Israel. It's just his lack of clarity is, is stunning. And thank God... Thank God he was never president. They did not win that presidency in, in 2004. But uh, then again, you know, it, uh, Obama has probably a more of an aggressive anti-Israel um, approach than John, John Kerry does. So who knows what, what to say. Uh, here we are with uh, President Obama. So we're dealing with him still, and we still have to uh, respond in, in so many different ways to, uh, you know, this, this, this charade of this pretense of being pro-Israel while at the same time taking steps that are consistent with somebody who's anti-Israel. Yeah, it's the Democrat Party's primary trip right now. Yeah. If, you know, up and down the whole party. Yeah. All right, let's move on to the next topic, which is the big one. Um, and that is, why do they fight? Okay. I'm impressed you remembered it. I just, you know, I, said <laughs> I wrote it down for you. I appreciate that. Why do they fight? Um, and, and it's a classic... You know, question uh, why we fight, right? In World War II, the part of the mission that the the government had out when when it was on the side of good and against evil, uh, they would they would you know put out these movie reels from the government. It was clearly propaganda, but nevertheless, it, it was smart propaganda. And it said, you know, why we fight? We fight for our American way. We fight for freedom. We fight for the the, the, the right to to differ. We 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 fight for the right to fail. We fight for the Red free enterprise, and so on down the line, right? Why we fight. And that gives us a sense of purpose. And the question is worth asking with regard to the ISIS fighters. Why do they fight, right? Not only are they fighting, but they're fighting not because it's not as if, you know, a bunch of bad guys, you know, captured these poor, unsuspecting Muslim young men and said, you will fight for us or we'll kill you, right? It's not like that. You, you hear about this in the, in, the, in the old days of Russia, where they, they basically drafted people to go fight for them, and if they didn't fight when they were killed, you get the idea, right? Um, people were basically forced at gunpoint to serve in the army. <clears throat> Either shoot the Nazis or we shoot you. That's right. That's how it worked. Well, yeah, that's right. In the Russian, in the in the Russian army. army. That's right. But, but likewise, you, you hear about this in all sorts of banana republics, right? They, they scoop you up, and suddenly you're in the army, and you're basically a slave to the army. Okay. But that's, so it's not like that. Okay. They are, in fact, uh, able to recruit thousands of, of young men. And, and, and in essence, they're also able to recruit thousands of young women 
Yeah, and from it, the it, West, from, by the way. And I'm going to get there. Yeah. Don't worry. So they're scooping them up as they go along. And as they go along, they just gather up. It's kind of like Lawrence of Arabia, right? You, from the movie Lawrence of Arabia, at least, whether that, that's the truth in, in real life. That's another story. But Lawrence of Arabia in the movie, he would, you know, scoop up these different tribes as they came along away with one victory after the other. They would say, join the victorious party. And um, everyone would get benefit from it. Uh, these ISIS guys, they, they are scooping them up with no problem whatsoever. And in addition, just like you hinted out now, people are uh, flocking in from Europe, all over Europe, and even America. San Diego, you heard about that rapper? Yes, yeah. yes, I know. And, and there's a rapper from, and, and the, the English guy who, who's uh, almost certainly the, the English rapper who uh, killed uh, Jim Foley. Yeah, these are the people from the hip-hop world. That's right. And it's not as if, you know, they're the Google, so to speak, in terms from a marketing point of view. I mean, you don't don't see Google um, advertising, right? It just, everyone knows about Google, but you don't see Google advertising for itself. I mean, they're they're an amazing machine because they they offer advertising services, and yet they don't Google, they don't advertise for themselves. And, And, of course, one of the most successful companies that history has ever known. But ISIS is like Google in that way. They, they don't have to advertise. They just, they're just beheading people, and they, they're saying, hey, we're, we're victorious, and, and they're doing these horrendous, horrific things. And that somehow appeals to a lot of crazy people out there, and they're flocking in well, why do you without them, advertising. Why do you call them crazy, by the way? No, uh, to me, they're not crazy. They're very rational when you break down. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get there. I don't, I don't want to drill down on that. Um, I, I understand what you're saying, but that's not where I'm going. I want to study why it is that these men flock to ISIS from within the Levant, <laughs> and uh, that means Iraq and Syria area, and the rest of the Arab world, and why they flock from the Western world. And here's the answer. And it's so obvious uh, that it's frightening. Because ISIS gives them purpose. We touched upon that a while ago in a different podcast, but it gives them the most essential thing that any person needs, especially a young man. We had a whole podcast about this before, which is the thing that matters most is that we matter, right? Right? And, if, and it doesn't matter whether it's evil or good. It, it, you know, people think that they're doing good while they're doing evil. You know, the Nazis thought that they were doing good, clearly doing evil. They had no objectivity about themselves. But ISIS is doing evil, but they think they're doing good in the same way. So it's neither here nor there whether it's evil or good. It's, it, ISIS offers them purpose. It tells them, this is what, why you are here on the planet. This is what accomplishment means the the beheading of people who are not like us we are going to establish a caliphate throughout all the world and we're beginning here and look at us we are succeeding be part of the victorious battle yeah you might not like what you're doing at this moment but by doing it you're helping establish Allah's glory for the whole world and everyone will see and thus everyone will convert and join right then we'll have heaven on earth oh I I think you know to to counter you a little bit there, I think they, they do enjoy the beheading. They oh, think they that's, a, they, that's a glorious thing for them. They are doing such a great thing because they are, they, they are achieving uh, the, the twin goals of establishing a Sharia law and a caliphate and at the same time destroying um, the, the evil in the, way that, in the most barbaric way possible that they can think of. 
and that, that Allah is pleased with this. So they're pleasing Allah all at the same time. Every time they chop off a head, it's, it's a, a wonderful blessing for Allah. This is, this is how perverted it's become. So that's the only way you can, you know, people, people are, you're never going to grow an army with, by telling your soldiers that they're going to be doing things that they regret. That, that doesn't work. It, however, if they believe that beheading people and burying people alive and killing the infidel, that they're rodents and horrendous people like that, well, then they think they're doing great work and they, they enjoy it. It's a, it's a crazy world we live in. People do not think like we believe that they think. We believe in freedom, for example. We, we hate the, the very notion of slavery. We hate the notion that women should be inferior. But they love it there. They, they, you know, the, the famous placard we talked about before, uh, where one, um, one uh, protester said, to hell with your freedom. Right? And, and, and they mean it. To hell with your freedom. They don't want freedom. And likewise, uh, I saw a recent uh, video from a uh, pal- no, it wasn't a Palestinian. It was, it was a Saudi Arabian woman, and she was arguing why it's important to have sex slaves, uh, and that it's really good. And she's advocating the, and encouraging that every um, Muslim country and eventually every country in the world uh, have sex slaves, and and you can acquire these sex slaves by stealing them from Israel, from the West, from any country that's not uh, Sharia compliant, as it were. And, uh, and, and that way, you know, you'll, you'll avoid adultery from men because they, they will just get their rocks off uh, with these sex slaves. And you'll breed a new generation of jihadists. Yeah, oh, sure, sure. I mean, assuming that that's what they because want they're to. Not, they're not giving these women free birth control and abortion. Oh, I'm sure there's going to be plenty of children uh, resulting from that madness. But, but this is... This is the way they view the world, that, that, that a world where sex slaves are not only okay, but they're actually desired, where women are supposed to be very subordinate to men, where freedom means nothing. So this is the way they perceive the world. So, but but, but I'm, I'm, I want to relate back to the whole notion of purpose. And purpose is so critical, and this is why ISIS succeeds so well and drawing so many men so quickly. I mean, the ramp up in the ISIS army from the JV team, as Obama so brilliantly idiotically, idiotically <laughs> yeah, called it. Yeah, I, I was being sarcastic. Uh, it, it is true, idiotically, idiotically uh, referred to them. Uh, to, to clearly, not only the varsity team, but they are such a threat now that we have to seriously consider it a massive invasion, uh, a massive attack in response. Okay, so I promised you that I would ask what the reason is that we in the West are not galvanizing our own young men against this. And I say men because, by and large, the fighters need to be men, right? The, the reason is the same, but it's the opposite. It's the lack of purpose. We have no purpose in the West, not anymore at least, not from the days of World War II, nothing like that. There is no, you'll never see a propaganda reel saying what we wanted to say, explaining the American virtues and the American, stating to encourage American values, American ideas, uh, and, and describing the evil that it needs to fight. You'll, you won't see that today. You did see it in World War II. You're not going to see it today. So 
the why we don't see it is uh, it, we can debate that all all day long, but there is nothing, nothing like what ISIS is presenting for its own people. We have no story to tell. We have no values that we are advancing. In fact, on the contrary, we'll, we're telling all of our young people that America is a bad country, that it has done a tremendous amount of uh, evil in the world, and that it's responsible for so many horrific things. Uh, this, this, is, this is the amazing thing about, about uh, that how we've, we're undoing our own civilization. And then we're surprised, surprised, when our own men, young American men, are, are actually going to, to the Middle East to fight our own country, to fight at least our values. Or fight our values on the streets of Ferguson a few weeks ago. Yeah, yeah. Well, same, well, well, the same kind of same, thing. Same, same kind of thing, but I, let's not drill down on that for now. I, it, it's taught in the schools. It's the people's history, it's the people's history of the United States, right? Um, that they, they emphasize, you know, well, they, they tell lies. They tell lies about... Uh, you know how we're all we're all slave owners, and that the only reason why George Washington and the founding fathers pushed forward for the revolution was because it was it was going to be good for their lining their own pockets. And this is this is the mentality that they have. Uh, that God, of course, is just a bizarre notion altogether. That should be no God whatsoever, and that the the founding fathers were at once very uh, supportive of of God and at the same time hostile to God. That it's, it's such a bizarre notion. But they want you to question everything about American history and the values and to take active steps to undermine everything about America. So never mind that the whole world had engaged in massive slavery and vicious, uh, you know, in that way. Uh, never mind that it was America that, that fought against slavery and 600,000 men died in the process. Um, but somehow, Israel, uh, Israel, America was the only country suddenly to have slavery. That's that. That's the only way they view slavery. You understand? Uh, never mind that we fought against it from the day one, from the founding of of the country. And they they invent these stories about how we were horrific to the Indians. I'm not saying we were perfect to the Indians, but but it was nowhere no, close to the people's history version of how we treated the Indians. I can go on, on and on about the, you know the robber barons and and how capitalism is evil and uh, all those things. There's nothing good that they teach about America, in the high schools or otherwise, and definitely not in the colleges, right? And so you have these young men who graduate from college, 22 or 23 years old, let's say, and they learn to just have utter contempt for their own country. Yeah, you know, I, I, the point you're making is so powerful and so great. I was walking around some area of West LA. Um, and I passed like uh, one of those coffee house places and another business and a stationery store, you know, one of those areas like on Montana Avenue or something. And man after man after man, and I, look, in finger quotes, the word man, because I don't know if they fit a classic definition, <laughs> okay. is wearing skinny jeans and flip flops and carrying a latte and looking hipster intellectual and marshmallow soft if it came to being a soldier. And you ask yourself, do any of these people understand how many people around the world want them dead? Yeah. And what would these people do to prevent that? 
And the answer is clearly nothing. Right. They have been demanded. And not all of them are homosexual or metrosexual or whatever, but it's become the average style and purpose and mentality of the average man walking around today. Right. And you and I would, in a second, take up arms to protect ourselves, our families, and those people walking yeah. around. And they wouldn't right. <clears throat> to protect us. You use the phrase uh, demand or such like that. I, I would say maybe a softer phrase, but, but to describe it, is that they've been pacified. They've been told, literally in every way, they've been pacified. They've so you don't been t- want to say castrated? <laughs> no, it's a little too strong. Because I, cause I want to be realistic about it. I, I want the right word so that people don't, don't uh, glom on to extremist language that we have and then thereby dismiss our main point. Our main point, folks, is that we're, we've pacified everyone, meaning that, that we've told them that fighting is never right, that there's always a diplomatic answer to everything, that there is no such thing as a superior civilization versus another, um, and that, uh, that in fact, we're not, no better than necessarily any other culture. In fact, we may be worse than other cultures. We're more, you know, our capitalism is a, is, is a bad idea. Our, our notion of democracy is a bad idea. Our history is a bad idea. Everything about it. So it, it creates this, this pacified culture where nobody stands up for anything um, other than intolerance, whatever that means. Right, that they're willing to stand up for, and that they're willing to, to to throw a latte at the police with, right? But even then, you know, I, they're only so aggressive. That's that's the the Occupy Wall Street movement is pretty much the the, the most violent <coughs> movement that we actually had in the past uh, uh, thirty years or so, uh, from a national point of view. And and this is why we're going nowhere in terms of the, you know getting the strength that we need to fight ISIS. And we have a, a president that reflects exactly the same sort of mentality that we just talked about, the pacified president. And I'm, I'm being extremely generous to him. Uh, I'm not saying that he's seeking to undermine the country at all. You're not blaming him. I'm not You're blaming him. He's just a reflection of these metrosexuals. Right. I, I uh, a couple years ago... They, well, these pacified males. That's what okay, I'm trying to well, say. I, I'm, I'm saying that, use that word from the GQ style right. book, where it's right. actually a compliment. They right. care about their skin. Yeah, good point. Uh, but there was a, another perfect example of this. There's a restaurant called Marie's over in Santa Monica. I know. And it. A couple years ago, there was a bunch of women and children, nice-looking women and young children, protesting against foie gras and the suffering of geese and ducks. Yeah. And if you walked up to them and said, what about the suffering of the unborn? Why are you uh, protesting at Planned Parenthood? They would scream at you. And they failed to see the connection. That <laughs> I know. life is life. life, life yeah, they're, they're very passionate about, uh, about geese. But they're not passionate at all about uh, you know, nascent, life, n- nascent life in the womb. Um, and, of course, if you were to ask them the same let's let's take away the abortion uh, issue. But just ask them, okay, you're all passionate about geese, but you're not passionate about... Uh, rockets randomly landing, for example, in Israel and killing killing innocent children. There was a there was a young four year old child who just got killed uh, from a random um, a rocket a shrapnel from a rocket a rocket in, uh, in 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 a town just north of Gaza. I mean, what a tragedy! And no one's no one's uh, praying for for his soul, except for the Israelis, of course, in the Jewish community here. But the foie, the foie gras crowd, as you call it, um, is uh, that's what they're all you know bent up about. And look, and I say this as a vegan. I myself am a vegan, and I, 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 I can tell you one thing. I'm not one of those. I, I will tell you flat out 
that if it's a question between me and the goose, the goose is going to die. Okay? The goose cooks. The goose is cooked, as it were. I'm going to eat that goose if I need to, okay? Uh, so, God bless you. <laughs> that's right. And, uh, and I know my, my priorities are straight. You know, I, I, you know, people are more important than animals. Thank you very much. I don't think we should be treating animals in an unnecessarily cruel way. I think foie gras is, is cruel in its own way. But that's not the issue of the day. Yeah, you understand. There's no equivalence. There's no Okay, I, I'd like to stop it, but folks, I've got much bigger issues to yes. deal with. If and we had it, world peace, you could focus on Yes, that. thank you very much. And, and that's part of the, but the issue that I had and that you had with the whole gay marriage issue, right? It's, the, it, it's not so much that, you know, we're, we're against it or, or, you know, we're so offended by it. We can talk about that all day long. It's just that our, you just want to say, for real, this is the issue that you want to focus on? Don't you think we have much bigger issues? I mean, these guys are, are, are so hell-bent. The same argument, the liberals are the same. They say, how can we fight in, in Iraq and Afghanistan and, and project our power in, in, in the rest of the world when we have so many issues in America to deal with, right? So I want to throw back that argument right back in their face and just say, how could you focus on such nonsense as the, the, whether two men have the right to you-know-what with each other and, uh, and, and to somehow have it sanctified by the state when we're, we're you know, the, the, these, these bad guys are trying to destroy us. I mean, we have hundreds of thousands of, of lives at risk all the time, and if not millions in the future, and Israel is being rocketed all the time, and this is what you want to focus on? This is the, the hot but, button issue of the day? Are you, are you out of your mind? Yeah, and, and that's the why, foie gras society. Right, and that's why I brought up the idea of crazy earlier when you said crazy regarding these jihadists. And right. I said they are very rational to in a, in a certain way of looking at the crazy ones are these who won't confront them in favor of these superficial issues that are birdbath deep. Right, you they're, know? they're birdbath deep. Exactly right. Uh, because and the reason why they confront these issues is that somehow it gives them meaning. I, they, they've lost their way. Okay, a lot of my vegan friends uh, have just have a distorted view of reality. Now, I'm proud to say also, by the way, the, I'm one of many vegans who I feel have a very good sense of reality. That they are, they understand the perspective, and it's it's not as if I go out there and. And, and try to bash everyone uh, over their head with, with a sense of veganism. I, I like to, what is it, the phrase, uh, walk humbly with my veganism, right? And, and like you just said, if all other problems of, this, of the world were, were solved and we had world peace, eh, then we can focus our attention on the animals. Okay, great. Uh, maybe we should have a, a whole podcast on veganism at one point and... and What's, I think we did episode two hundred thirty-two. <laughs> yeah, dash four. Uh, but but you're right. The whole the, 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 they they totally lack perspective, and that's what you're talking about. And that this country at some point needs to gain perspective in a big way. As I often say, make a decision, or a decision will come to you. Okay, that's that's what you need to understand. The world is not looking at you in the same way that you think the world is looking at you. The world looks at you as the enemy, whether you have a latte in your hand uh, or whether you have a gun in your hand. That's, that's what you need to realize. And until that time, until you understand that we need purpose, we need to reevaluate who we are, we need to once again 
take up the, the cudgel of values and, and ask ourselves, what are we about? Until that day, we ain't got no shot against ISIS. And, uh, but I do, have, I do have a good feeling that we do have a future hope that if we do galvanize ourselves, there's nothing that can stop us. Freedom is, it can be an unstoppable force, but it must be vigilantly preserved. Folks, this is Barack Lurie. This has been the Barack Lurie Podcast. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll talk to you soon. Yeah.